Greetings, and welcome to the very first episode of Elevate, the new monthly podcast from Hospice News, featuring discussions from hospice leaders and other professionals in the field on the challenges and successes that providers encounter every day. My name is Jim Parker. I'm editor of Hospice News. And with me today is Joshua Prophet, who in June was named president of LHC Group, one of the largest home health and hospice providers in the nation. Previously, Mr. Prophet served as LHC's chief financial officer. Uh, Josh, thank you for being with us today. Yeah, thanks, Jim, and thanks for having me on the the very first podcast. Uh, Excited to be here with you this morning. It's great to have you here. And also, congratulations on being named president of LHC Group not too long ago. I wondered if uh, you could tell us a little bit about your priorities as you come into this new role. Sure, sure. And again, Jim, every time someone says congratulations to me about uh, the new role, I've got to just start with saying that when, you know, Keith Myers, our founder, chairman, and the CEO, and the board approached me about moving into this role, it was extremely humbling. (laughs) I've been with LHC now for 15 years, dating back to when I served as an outside advisor beginning in 2005, around the time the company went public, and then came in in-house beginning full-time in 2008 uh, and have served in several different leadership roles since that time. So, you know, I, I span about a 15-year tenure with the organization and am just uh, incredibly humbled and honored uh, to be a part of such a high-functioning and high-performing team in just an incredibly exciting area of healthcare and uh, couldn't be more excited about, you know, what lies before us. So, you know, when you say congratulations, I just have to start with giving a cap tip to the team. Been fortunate to work here for that long and have really worked with a lot of our senior leadership and all of our operational leadership for a number of years. And now in this new role, getting to, you know, support them and maybe a little bit more Broadway uh, is super exciting. Um, As far as top priorities, I guess, you know, I would highlight maybe three or four for you, Jim. The first one I would definitely always lead with is in every leadership role within LHC, but especially, you know, now in the, the president's role, to truly be a champion and an ambassador of our incredible culture. And when I, when I talk about our culture at LHC, you know, that's, that's one that prioritizes quality patient outcomes and satisfaction and our LHC group family members really above all else. Here at LHC, everything always starts and ends with a focus on our patients and our people. And in this new role, um, you know, I want to continue to uh, be, you know, really an advocate uh, for our culture and continue the legacy uh, that's been here since the beginning. You know, from our very beginning, when Keith Wife Ginger saw those first four patients back in 1994, we've had an unwavering commitment to and a focus on our patient care and outcomes. And everything at LHC Group uh, always centers on a clinical emphasis and a clinical focus. And I want to do everything I can to provide support to our teams across the country to ensure that we continue that legacy and continue leading the industry uh, from a quality standpoint in both our home health and our hospice segments. So I would, you know, highlight that one for you first, Jim. Second is really an area that has me so excited, and that's, you know, all things growth. You know, I look forward to now in this role having a more direct 
and broad involvement and leadership on all of our growth efforts to really, you know, assist us at LHC in capitalizing on a historic opportunity for growth over the next, you know, three to five plus years. Over my 15 years with the company, and really since 2012, I've been directly involved in leading our development efforts that focuses on acquisitions and new joint ventures. Uh, even most recently in my you know, CFO role, I still had kind of direct involvement and oversight over our acquisitions and, and joint venture strategy. And, you know, I'll continue to be directly involved in those efforts. But now, you know, we'll have more of a focus on our organic growth as well. So, um, you know, across all areas of growth, whether you're looking at organic, whether you're looking at new acquisitions, or whether you're looking at new joint ventures with hospitals and health systems, I see more growth opportunities in front of us over the next several years than really I've seen in the 15 years I've been with the company, and I'll be, you know, definitely prioritizing that. Um, and then specific to hospice, I would highlight, and, and you know, if you've been listening uh, to us on, you know, either earnings calls or other public opportunities we've had to, to speak on the topic, we have a real emphasis on continuing to grow our hospice segment. You know, we've had hospice at LHC Group since 1998 was when we opened our first hospice location. And, you know, we've grown it into a very, you know, sizable uh, segment for us, a very high-performing segment, you know, delivering industry-leading quality as well as, uh, you know, just from a operational metric standpoint, I feel like we've really matured that segment to a place where we've got the foundation to really grow off of. And we've got a, a strategy to co-locate or tri-locate in the markets where you know, blessed to serve. And by co and trilocate, I'm referring to our three uh, in-home uh, service delivery models of home health, hospice, and home and community-based services. So we're, you know, probably 25 to 30% co-located today uh, with our hospice and home health and, you know, really look forward to um, aggressively growing hospice in the years in front of us. And that's a, a big top priority of mine. And then last, I would, you know, maybe highlight just pain and care delivery innovation with the additions, you know, on our senior leadership team of, you know, the likes of Bruce Greenstein, Dr. Ben Doge, you know, all of our operations leaders, working with each of them on payment and delivery innovation as healthcare in the home continues to expand new payment models that involve shared savings and value-based components, really with the view toward driving more healthcare into the home setting where we can deliver quality outcomes and lower the total cost of care. So I would probably highlight those for you. Excellent. Thank you. And, uh, yeah, I definitely would like to talk more about the growth opportunities ahead of LHC Group. But first, I'd like to shift gears slightly and take a look at, you know, what's on everyone's minds these days, and that's how the pandemic is impacting hospice. It's been discussed, of course, on, on LHC Group's earnings calls. But for those who haven't listened in, can you say a little bit about how the pandemic has impacted the company and how you've coped? Sure, sure. So, you know, as it as it relates to, you know, the coronavirus pandemic, I would go all the way back to when it first, you know, really began and in those early days in March when, you know, our leadership team was trying to as everyone was, not only just across healthcare but across the country, uh better understand what it was that was, you know, we were about to be faced with. 
we immediately pulled together a COVID-19 task force uh, and, and developed multiple work streams under that that has been meeting ever since then. Um, it meets multiple times a week. Uh, we communicate to all of our employees on a daily basis uh, with different updates and different, you know, infectious disease protocols and safety standards and, and things of that nature. And really, you can't pressure test a organization, especially a healthcare organization, any more so than in the face of a historic pandemic. And again, I just I want to recognize and acknowledge all of our team, especially our team members on the front lines, whether it's home health hospice across all of our service lines. Uh, they have had just an unwavering commitment that, frankly, Jim, has been inspiring uh, to those of us that get to support them just with what they do every day. And, and I've said to, to many folks, you know, I, I think the, the level of appreciation, the level of respect for and admiration for our healthcare workers on the front lines is now at an all-time high and, frankly, a place that it should have been. And, you know, for our hospice team members, I'm moved by them every day. The number of emails that have continued to come in and, you know, we have a very open culture here at LHC. So, you know, I'll get emails from frontline nurses on a pretty regular basis that just tells a story about, you know, how they have uh, continued to be there along their patients and family side during the hospice, you know, end of life experience through the pandemic has just, it, it, it'll bring a tear to your eye, honestly. But, you know, as far as how it's impacted us, you know, on home health, you can see in a lot of our public numbers, you know, the dip that we experienced and, and how that recovery and rebound has happened. I'm pleased to report from a hospice standpoint, you know, we, we didn't experience near the dip uh, that we did in home health. And, you know, I attribute that in large measure to, you know, the stickiness of our relationships with our referral sources and the commitment of our caregivers to, as soon as we got them, you know, fully equipped with PPE to go out and continue making those visits, there was no, you know, real interruption. So we, we saw a slight kind of downtick uh, early on and, you know, maybe the April, early May timeframe. But we're now back, you know, probably 5% or greater above our pre-COVID levels uh, from an average daily census across our entire hospice footprint. So, you know, extremely excited about that. And then, you know, from a number of COVID patients that we've seen, we've seen over 9,000 in our home health service line uh, year to date that were COVID positive or suspected and have cared for almost 500 COVID patients in our hospice service. So real, real proud of that. Thank you. And uh, LHC Group, of course, has numerous joint ventures with hospitals and health systems. Has disruption in that space brought on by the pandemic caused any difficulties for your organization? Uh, Jim, I, I guess maybe hit that. Let me hit that from two perspectives. One is just our, you know, current JV partners uh, that we have all across the the country, and then you know maybe dovetail into a little bit on just new JV opportunities that, in some ways, I think. This emphasis on, you know, providing healthcare in the home may have already been an accelerator for. But, you know, on, on the first, you never want to highlight any positives from something like the coronavirus pandemic. But from a healthcare perspective, 
I do think there are some great lessons learned and some opportunities that across the entire continuum of healthcare we have learned through this experience. In many ways, that's created opportunities for us in the in-home delivery of care, whether that be personal care services, home health, or, you know, palliative care and hospice with our hospital partners. You know, certainly during the early stages of COVID, we, you know, had disruptions and didn't experience as many discharges and and admissions from our hospital partners as we were seeing pre-COVID. But, you know, we believe that the the pandemic has has really shined a bright light on in-home care in in a very positive way. And in some of those ways, you know, it's created more awareness for the services we offer. You know, we, we've worked so closely with, you know, whether it's all the way into the C-suite of our hospital partners uh, through, you know, case management, discharge planning, care coordination efforts, uh, really on the clinical side uh, to develop, you know, protocols to either avoid altogether institutional, you know, stays, ED encounters for, you know, patients to keep them out of congregate settings. We've, you know, uh, accelerated the value proposition in working with our hospital partners and the importance of telehealth. You know, we, we, we've done a lot with a lot of our partners to develop and continue looking at uh, SNF diversion type programs. And, you know, our hospital partners have a lot to do with even that initiative, whether they own their own SNFs or whether they partner with SNFs in those markets, just looking at the overall health and safety of their patient populations that they manage in those local markets, finding ways to get them cared for in the home setting sooner or finding ways to avoid institutional admissions um, or SNF days altogether. You know, we've increased interest by our hospitals that don't have home health or hospice. So those would be those that we have referral relationships with but aren't necessarily partners today talking about, you know, finding ways to to better and more closely align with them. And then, you know, I guess the last point when I mentioned, you know, the things we've learned with our current partners and then the new opportunities, I would highlight that, you know, between August and just yesterday, uh, even in the face of the pandemic, we've been able to enter into new joint venture partnerships with Orlando Health throughout Central Florida with University Health System in Augusta, Georgia, uh, in both Georgia and South Carolina, and then in Northeast Georgia Health System in Gainesville. So um, I think that's a really positive sign, Jim, for the momentum that we're already starting to see, even while they're distracted with dealing with COVID themselves, on opportunities for new JVs. Of course, many of us are hoping that COVID will dissipate in the new year, yet its actual trajectory remains uncertain. Does LHC Group have contingency plans in place in the event that the pandemic worsens or extends another six months or even another year? Yeah, as we all would, you know, our prayers and our our hopes and intentions are that that does not happen. And, you know, that the signs we're seeing now with the decreases in numbers and the decreases in, in the mortality rates and whatnot, all of that is such a positive for our nation, and we all hope that continues. And then, you know, with the, the you know, advancements and hopefully the, the timing around getting a vaccine, just in general for our country, uh, we're all, you know, hopeful and prayerful of, of those efforts. Uh, but if 
If not, I think your question is, you know, if the pandemic worsens or extends longer, you know, I, I would say, Jim, since March, we've learned so much and our team is so resilient. And I go back to really that focus on, on patients first and employees first within our culture. We stand ready to, to play a very important role, a role that I think has been highlighted through the pandemic of how important in-home healthcare service delivery is to keep, you know, the frail, the vulnerable, and those that have multiple chronic and, and comorbid conditions safe and in their home. It really was more about getting appropriate levels of PPE. Uh, we've now not only you know, gotten to that place, but we have, through the pandemic, created not only a centralized sourcing, warehousing, and distribution effort, but we've partnered with some third parties across the country and have regional areas and depots of PPE across the country so that, you know, if there were a an outbreak or an uptick in a particular geography or market, even as certain areas of the country are improving, you know, we stand ready and we have, you know, a sufficient supply of PPE to handle that. And then, you know, from from the clinical perspective and infectious disease perspective, you know, one thing that I think has been highlighted is just how well home health can care for patients that have, you know, significant infectious diseases. It's something we've done in our industry and in our benefit, whether it's in home health or even in hospice for years and for decades, but it's it's really been highlighted. So we hope that there's not an uptick or a worsening, but if there were, you know, I feel like we are, you know, prepared and have all the operational and, and you know, safety measures in place to, to handle it. Thank you for those remarks. And uh, turning now to your workforce, of course, with healthcare workers on the front lines of this crisis and facing tremendous risk, what kind of support has LHC Group been offering its employees through this? Yeah, Jim, um, I, when I highlighted in my first answer to my priorities, kind of our culture around our patients, quality, and, and, and our people, uh, that has shined through so well throughout, you know, these past six, seven months. Again, just proud to be a part of a, a team that puts so much uh, emphasis there. I mean, you know this, but uh, our greatest asset uh, is our more than 32,000 LHC group family members. Uh, and those, you know, ladies and gentlemen that are on the front lines of this pandemic, from the very first meeting of our task force, and every meeting we've had since then, our number one focus has been on them. Because if we can take care of them, if we can keep them safe and healthy, then that turns into they can then go out and take care of our patients and keep them safe and healthy. So we have done several things to support our employees. I would highlight first the PPE uh, effort. From day one, you know, our chief medical officer, uh, Dr. Doge, you know, got with us and said, you know, we've got to immediately respond and be prepared. And we developed multiple work streams, one that was for COVID positive or suspected patients and what all needed to be in those PPE kits for every single patient encounter by a clinician that was caring for a COVID positive or suspected patient. And then we implemented uh, a new policy for us in home health and in hospice where uh, we provide masks and gloves for every 
single patient encounter throughout the entire organization. So we've, you know, from early on, once we were able to secure the PPE, from then till now, we have, you know, masked and gloved on, on every visit. And, and that, you know, that spoke volumes to our employees, not just for, you know, how much we care for them and, and have their safety in mind, but, you know, our emphasis on, you know, providing them the, the ability and the comfort to, to care for our patients. Other things we've done for the well-being of our employees, we conduct daily screening of every employee. We perform temperature checks every day before any employee can, you know, show up to either an office setting or go make a visit. Uh, we practice social distancing. We wear masks in every common area throughout our whole organization. We've got a very robust contact tracing and, you know, have really done a great job of minimizing any exposures, whether it's in the office or among our staff. We maintain, you know, anywhere, depending on the state regulations from, you know, no more than 50% and, you know, in some instances between 10 and 25% capacity and occupancy in all of our locations. So, you know, we've managed through a lot of remote workforce and we've got some great lessons learned there throughout as well. And then, you know, there's some real tangible things we've done for our employees in addition to the just the safety and infectious disease protocols. You know, very early on, we uh, we have um, a 501c3 leg of LHC group that's called our Purpose Fund, and it is a financial hardship fund for our employees, whether it's, you know, death in the family, natural disaster, house fire, those sorts of things. We created a COVID-19-specific uh, criteria uh, from our purpose fund, and we've been able to, to provide some financial assistance to a lot of our employees through that effort. You know, we've given a, a one-time, you know, 100% cash in to employees for their PTO if they needed, you know, that kind of assistance. We've done some things in our 401k program and our employee assistance program. We've done a make whole wage supplement again for frontline direct caregiving employees in the early days of the pandemic when their wages were directly impacted. We did an analysis, looked at what they were making prior to the pandemic and the impact and then what they were making during and did a wage supplement to, to make them whole and get them back to, you know, the wages that they were experiencing before. We've done a PTO replenishment. A lot of our frontline employees had to use PTO in order to keep their wages whole. And we did an analysis there a few months later and did a replenishment of our PTO to, to make our employees whole. And then just the number of resources we've made available, you know, daily emails. We've got a separate inbox and a resource center here related to COVID. Um, and then lastly, you know, for our employees going into next year, we've, you know, been able to hold on their health care benefits for next year and keep their premiums flat to lessen kind of that financial burden as well because, you know, the, the financial burden on our country and, you know, not just our workers, but, you know, their spouses and their families, um, we're trying to really do a lot to take care of them. I said that's, uh, that's impressive. And uh, thank you for being so forthcoming with that question. So turning, turning the page a little bit uh, back towards growth, industry-wide uh, mergers and acquisitions took a dip in the early days of the pandemic, but has kind of started to tick back up. Just yesterday, LHC Group purchased uh, Santa Rita Hospice in Colorado. That transaction, it's a small company. I believe it had about 15 patients. 
How do you position a smaller asset uh, like Santa Rita for, uh, you know, to expand? Yeah, Jim, that's a great question. And uh, thank you for, for kind of going there. So I alluded to it earlier. We've talked a lot about this over over the past probably two years with our co-located strategy. You know, our our home health service line, uh, as you're very familiar, is significantly larger than our hospice service line. But, um, you know, we've got a top strategic priority all the way from our boardroom, you know, through our management team to grow our hospice services. And one way we look to do that is not only, you know, continuing to, to look and be engaged in conversations and, and the, the volume of, of hospice opportunities, even in our current corporate development pipeline right now, is at an all-time high and the discussions that we're looking looking at and having. But um, you look at a, a Santa Rita, and, you know, that is in a market where we already have an established home health uh, in the kind of greater Aurora, Denver market area. And so we didn't have hospice. And you can either go out and buy a very large one or you can, you know, buy a smaller one like Santa Rita, rebrand it with our home health brand, and then bring that together. And you have a lot of growth opportunity. I mean, that one market in itself, there's so much opportunity for growth that although, you know, it's 15 patients today, I won't tell you, but I can tell you that I've, I've got a five-year pro forma model that has uh, very explosive growth in that market, uh, you know, when we co-locate and brand in that kind of a way. So, I mean, Jim, you're going to see us do a lot more of that. We've got, you know, key markets we have highlighted. Denver was one of those at the top of our list that we wanted to find a hospice provider to, to add to our home health in the market. And then you're going to see us, you know, hopefully doing some more, you know, you know, either state level, region level, or larger hospice acquisitions to, to continue to build that footprint out. Excellent. Thank you. On the home health, you've touched on this, but I'm going to ask the question anyway. On the home health side of the business, you've been contending with the effects of the the patient-driven groupings model as much as the industry has, um, also called PDGM, which was new in 2020. Do you feel like the dust is, is settling when it comes to PDGM? And if so, will LHC turn more towards home health acquisitions or place less of a focus on hospice in any way? Well, I'll start with the last part of the question. Uh, we will definitely not be placing less of a focus on hospice, period. In no circumstance will that be the case. Uh, when I tell you it is a top strategic priority for us, it is that. Uh, now, we're also going to continue looking at home health opportunities of expansion, whether those be freestanding. And really, Jim, with a, a priority on uh, continuing with hospital joint ventures uh, in home health and in hospice. So if there's been a, a slowdown in home health acquisitions and JVs, that's, you know, kind of a combination of the PDGM effect plus the coronavirus pandemic, you know, plus a lot of the CARES Act funds and, and, you know, some of those impacts. As we go into next year, I expect that to, you know, kind of normalize out. And what we expected 2020 to have been a big home health 
focus of consolidation and, you know, opportunity. But maybe that's just been delayed by, you know, 12 to 18 months. But that activity I do fully expect will pick up. But but I, I please don't want you to hear, even when that happens, we have such a strong balance sheet and we're so well positioned that, you know, that, that top priority of hospice expansion and growth um, is front and center, you know, for all of us uh, on the team. Um, as it relates to your question on PDGM, you know, has the dust settled? You know, I'll address for, for us at LHC, not necessarily for the industry, and say, you know, our team spent the entirety of 2019 preparing for PDGM, and it was, you know, clinically driven, clinically focused from day one all year long and really breaking down the 432 resource groups uh, that historically had been 153 and, you know, putting together the, the clinical pathways and the care delivery models and, and looking at, you know, what would generate the, the highest quality patient outcomes through this new model. So, you know, when, when the calendar flipped to January, we were very prepared with our internal systems and, and, and our, you know, processes to support the team and support our operations. And, you know, you may have heard me speak recently, you know, we had a, a pretty conservative approach and, you know, prediction to how it would play out and thought we would be at, you know, kind of more fully implemented execution by kind of now, September, October, and we actually were, you know, a few months ahead of that. Even with the pandemic in front of us, we were, you know, operating where we thought we would be now, somewhere around May. So, you know, couldn't be more, you know, proud of and pleased with the team and how they've executed. And, you know, from a PDGM operation standpoint, you know, I feel like, you know, we're heading into the fourth quarter and into next year uh, in a really good place. You know, for others in the industry, I mentioned kind of the COVID impact with the CARES Act, with some of the, you know, advanced payments and, and provider relief stimulus monies and whatnot, that may have been a bridge that, you know, have, have helped some kind of get through even some of the PDGM impact. But, you know, when, when some of that goes away uh, going into next year, you know, it'll be interesting to see when the, the consolidation momentum picks back up. Thank you. And uh, so, of course, changes are also coming for hospices in terms of payment in 2021, including the opportunity to participate in the Medicare Advantage uh, demonstration project and other value-based payment structures like the serious illness population model and primary care first. Do you think these programs will be a boon for hospice providers or do you expect disruption similar to home health experience with PDGM? Yeah, Jim, um, I, I think it'll be a boom. Um, I think uh, that it is just uh, so indicative of where our kind of healthcare ecosystem is going, if you will, if I can speak even in that broad of a term. And I think the hospice benefit is such a critical and important part of that ecosystem. And when you think about value-based arrangements, when you think about, you know, whether it's, you know, some of the opportunities in MA, whether it's, you know, you know, models and programs like the primary care first with the, the SIP model underneath it with the serious illness population and, you know, some of those efforts, all of that is really, you know, kind of highlighting an emphasis on value-based gain-sharing models 
you know, bending and reducing the total cost of care. And, you know, I think all of in-home health care delivery is a key ingredient to that. But I do believe hospice is going to be a, a real key piece, especially when you look at, you know, primary care first and, and some of those. There's even an emphasis on hospice care in those models. Excellent. Well, I believe uh, we've hit our our time. I really appreciate uh, your being on the podcast. I appreciate your candor. Um, this was a great discussion. And I want to thank all of our listeners for tuning in. And we look forward to doing more episodes for you. Josh, can't thank you enough for making time to talk. And uh, I hope that you, you know, going forward, continue to, to stay healthy and stay safe. Likewise, Jim, uh, you know, thank you for hosting this. Uh, thank all the listeners out there for listening in and for you and all of them. You know, I, I do sincerely wish you all health and safety for each of you and your families uh, as we're continuing to, you know, live through this pandemic. And for all the healthcare workers that might be listening in, just let me say thank you to you for what you're doing out there on the front lines. You're making such an impact. So thank you. Excellent. Well, uh, please take care and uh, thank you again. Thank you.